program. In fact, we'll go. Here we go. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. All Christian parents want happy, godly kids, but... How do you turn those good intentions into a godly legacy? That's the question before us here today on Viewpoint, and that's true not only for parents, but grandparents, because once you have been a parent, you're always a parent. Just ask me, with 10 grandchildren, one great-grandchild, or our guest today. All Christian parents want happy, godly kids, but wanting is not enough. How do you turn those good intentions into a godly legacy when we know the famous phrase, good intentions? Well, the the way to hell is paved with good intentions. Wow. That is a truism, and there's a lot of truth in it because that's why we call it a truism. It's not always true, but it is often true that the way to hell is paved with good intentions. So good intentions are not enough. On the other hand, we need to have good intentions, and we need to have good intentions that will turn into godly legacy. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about this in a very, well, I hope as practical a way as we possibly can. But the Bible says that without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. So, without a a vision... A father perishes. Without a vision, a mother perishes. Without a vision, a grandfather or grandmother perishes, even a pastor. And so we need to have some kind of vision, some overarching way to look at this matter of parenting. And it doesn't just happen passively. It happens purposefully. Well, it should happen purposefully. So here's a question that I have for you as we launch into the program today. What will your kids say about you when you pass? What will you ki- your kids say about you when you pass? As a father, or as a mother, or as a grandparent? And here's the next question, which is perhaps even more important. What will the Lord say about you? Will the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, or will he have some sort of other viewpoint concerning your parenting? All of that here today on Viewpoint, and I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And that's exactly what we need. We don't need more talk. We need more transformation. And the difference that bridges the gap between information and transformation is application. So much of our Christian lives is based upon information. In fact, we're on information overload. We're obese with information. We really are. And that's why they call it the information age. So much of our Bible teaching, even preaching, is informational, not transformational. And that's why we have such a breakdown in our country. It's one of the main reasons why we have such a breakdown in our country. 
yes, even among professing Christians, yes, even in what we refer to as God's house, the church. So how do we bridge that gap, the gap from information to transformation? Well, it's going to involve a certain kind of Christian parent, the kind of Christian parent that you can be, should be, and want to be. But how do we get there? That's what we're talking about here today with our special guest, Tim Alba, from down in Texas, the Lone Star State that's becoming more and more, well, Lone Star because it's standing out so much in a lonely way here in our country. Tim, it's good to have you on the program. Well, thank you. It's indeed a privilege to be with you. Are you guys intending to secede from the Union yet? <laughs> Not to my knowledge, although I think the uh, the momentum is growing. Yes, it is growing, and uh, not, not only is it growing there, but the seeds of that are spreading in other places. <laughs> it's a fascinating thing that's going on there in Texas. Uh, it's metastasizing into Florida, I think, and uh, what a time we live in, huh? Yeah, there are indeed some special privileges uh, and special challenges that we face uh, in the country, as well as his parents. That, that is for certain. Well, that's exactly why we need to talk about this, because whether or not uh, Joe Biden, whether or not his education department uh, wants to give a well-done, now good and faithful parent, uh, from their perspective, uh, the reality is what we really want is well-done, now good and faithful father or grandfather or mother, uh, from God's perspective, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'll just say, when my passion for many years was to, and still is in part, is to hear the Lord say that, to feel his warm embrace and to hear him say, well done. But what changed my life and changed my family's life was when I finally realized the greatest moment in all of humanity is not when I hear that, it's when I get to hear and watch the Lord do that with my children mm. and my grandchildren. That changed everything for me and for my family, because it, it, it made me realize, yes, I could only control myself, but when I'm trying to lead my family to experience that, it changed everything in terms of how I approached parenting and, frankly, how, how it changed myself at, at, at work and every aspect of life. I can relate a thousand percent, if there is such a thing, a thousand percent to what you're saying. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons why, just a few years ago, I wrote a book called Hearts of the Fathers, leaving a legacy that lasts. And one of the uh, uh, greatest missing links in the church today and in our country is godly fathering. we got a lot of guys out there that say they want to be a good father. They're what, what I would call wannabe fathers. Uh, on the other hand, they just don't have a vision. They don't understand the nature of a spiritual legacy. And their wives... And uh, the mothers of their kids are feeling it, I think. Yeah, if only the men of this country, and it has to start with me, but if only the men would take the principles that they apply and learn at work and apply those at home with much the same, in some cases, greater uh, intentionality, mm -hmm. I think our homes in this country would be amazingly better, albeit from a spiritual standpoint, because the lessons at work apply at home and vice versa. No question about it, but it has to be intentional. It's not going to happen passively. It has to be intentional, doesn't it? 
Absolutely. Uh, you know, Henry Cloud says in Boundaries for Leaders that you get what you allow or create. And godly legacies aren't allowed to happen, right? You have to create them. They happen with God's hand of favor, but they happen when we, before our Lord, create them, not when we hope that they'll somehow come together. And it doesn't mean that we are going to be 100% in control of our children, that they're going to do 100% what we want them to do or hope that they will do. But we're doing what we're doing is setting a pattern and a trajectory that given God's favor and their cooperation, uh, we, will, we will certainly achieve that godly legacy so that they will say to us, well done, mom and dad. That's where we're heading, friends. I hope you'll stay tuned. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our special guest today, Tim Alba, uh, who has a wonderful book called Well Done, Mom and Dad. We're going to make it available to you in just a moment. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. I don't know about you, but most of the time I like my meat well done. And uh, God God wants, uh, or we want our Father, our Heavenly Father, to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, We also want our children and grandchildren to be able to say, well done, Mom and Dad, or well done, uh, Grandpa and Grandma, or whatever term you want to use and do use concerning grandparents. This is a wonderful book by Tim Alba, Well Done, Mom and Dad. And uh, I have been really looking forward to this uh, conversation with him. But I want to make sure that you get the, the book in your hands. And it is a, uh, it, it's on, in your hands right on our website, saveus.org. $17, we'll put it in your hands, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. We'll get it to you. And uh, right up front, he writes, A Reason for Real Hope. Now, in our country, we have people that are crying for hope. In fact, one of the frequent questions that I've gotten over the past 10 years here in Save America Ministries of the Viewpoint radio program is, Chuck, do you think there's any hope for our country? My answer is, well, yes and no. Yes, if we obey God, repent and turn quickly from our ways and begin to please him as our father. No, if we don't. So far, the answer has to be no, because we have been unwilling to do so even after 40 to 50 years of national days of prayer, after solemn assemblies and all kinds of whining, crying, and hand-wringing in elections, we still have been unwilling to see things from God's viewpoint. And if we don't see things from God's viewpoint, maybe, maybe we can't parent from his viewpoint. And if we can't parent from his viewpoint, 
maybe we're cutting ourselves short from having him declare at the end, well done, mom and dad. Our special guest today, Tim Alba. And uh, Tim, when you when you look at our country and uh, so many people wringing their hands, they're looking for some sort of a political savior, they're looking for somebody to deliver us, to turn the tide and so on, I think in reality we have well, to put it kindly, negligently, but actually to put it in reality, intentionally resisted the most important thing uh, that we could do, and that is to be the kinds of mothers and fathers that God intends us to be. What say you? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, my, you know, I've been, I've done all kinds of ministry in my life, but the number one ministry I have and always will have is my family. And... It's, it, first, it's as a spouse. Secondly, it's as a dad and a granddad. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at, I think of it kind of like that that quote from the Apollo 13 movie where everything is just doom and gloom and they know there's no hope. And Gene Krantz says, I believe this will be our finest hour. And, you know, I'm a realist, but I also mm-hmm. say, but what I mean, being a realist before my Lord is he's equipped us with everything that we need in order to control what we can. And I look at it even as a parent and just say, you know, the real question is, are we leading ourselves well first in order to lead our family well? Because it all starts with that, to not look back, right, as a, as a now, for me as a grandparent, look back and say, wow, I, I wish I would have thought through these things earlier. Yeah. Because I can tell you, God, I didn't start out to write a parenting book. I actually started out writing a leadership book for my kids to help them know how to choose well. But then God stirred my heart Uh to be a different kind of a parent, and I had to learn to be intentional and transparent, some of the things you were talking about. I had to learn to connect where they are and to learn to nudge their rudder, not steer their ship. Mm -hmm. So it was leading them, if you will, to not only know how to be faithful, but more importantly, to want to. There's no such thing as default parenting that's going to lead in that direction, is there? No, absolutely not. It has to be intended, uh, and it has to be intended from God's eternal perspective. And right here on this program, we're saying we're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. And isn't it interesting that even secular writers and observers and politicians have admitted that the number one, uh, shall we say, social problem in America today is fatherlessness. And we're not just talking about the absence of a physical father in the home. We're talking about the absence of genuine biblical fathering. We've lost the vision. And our mothers and fathers, excuse me, our mothers and and the wives out there are just uh, lamenting, uh, I think, the the number one cry of Christian women over the past 25 years is, cannot, why cannot or won't my husband be the spiritual leader of our home? you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm, research shows, in fact, the book talks about research and passing, but just so the perspective is, is children who grow up in a home uh, that has a godly legacy are more likely than not to carry it on, but the number one reason that they do or don't is that they bond emotionally with their parents, especially with their dads. Wow. So ultimately, dads, moms are so crucial, mm-hmm. but dads oftentimes are the distinguishing factor 
and helping the, the faith that mom has to become real and to be attractive and to be, what I put it in terms of, is receptivity. Yeah. For the kids to become receptive to the faith you want to pass down, so oftentimes it comes down to, is dad living it out or not? Because the kids look to dad oftentimes as that moral compass. They know they can count on mom, but is dad living out that faith or not? And wow, what a wake-up call that was, was to realize even research shows up. You know, it brings tears to my eyes, uh, Tim, because that is so, so real. Uh, as you know, I practiced law for 20 years in uh, Southern California uh, during the most tumultuous years educationally and culturally in the country, as everything that we're now seeing was being birthed. I saw it in the courtroom. I saw it in the family courtroom in the Los Angeles uh, Superior Court System, the largest uh, family law court system in the entire country. Uh, I have served as both a volunteer pastor and uh, overseeing pastor now for about 40 years in different capacities. And in both of those situations, what I have noticed is the greatest weakness of all at every point is the father. It brings tears to my eyes. Oh, yeah. And, and I think, again, I'll go back to oftentimes the sad part is, is as in business for all these years and also as an executive pastor myself, is, mm-hmm. is you see the vacuum that is caused when we do what I just referred to simply as default parenting. Yeah. And, and I had to come to the place in my own life, uh, and that's really what kind of the journey that I went on because this book didn't, didn't happen. It's a 10-year journey. Mm-hmm. But I had to come to reality with, of, of the answer to this fundamental question. That is, will I be the parent that I prefer to be by default or the parent that my kids need me to be? Mm. And when I realized that, especially for Christian parents and grandparents, I think there's two kinds of parents. Yeah, uh, Both are well-intended, but one is a default parent who lives from crisis to crisis. They're mm-hmm. trying to get their little son or daughter. If I could just break her bad habits and if I could just fix her behavior and stop her drama... <laughs> but the problem is, is that well-intended is not well done. Yeah. And the and the second kind of parent is also wants those things, right? We we don't want the drama and the bad habits and the bad behavior. But I I had to personally go through a lot of failures and disappointments in my own life and my own parenting to realize that a, that a well-done parent can turn those well-intended choices into children who who, who hear well done by they break their habits by bonding with their heart. Mm-hmm. And they can fix the kid's behavior in large part by funneling their beliefs. And oh, to stop that drama, but I had to learn with my, especially my daughter at age 14 was a bit of a challenge. I love her to death, but wow, <laughs> 14, interesting. But with my daughter, Leslie, probably young lady now, but I had to learn to stop Leslie's drama by doing this one thing, by shaping her dreams. Mm. And, oh, and so I was all about, like my dad, my dad is a phenomenal man. He's all about what? Do what's right every time, no questions asked. I learned that my kids, though, don't res- didn't respond well to that. They needed me to be transparent. Are you kidding me? Dads aren't transparent. Dads are stoic and strong because that's <laughs> how I thought. Yeah. But when I learned through stories that are in the book, actually, about me and my daughter and, wow, interesting challenges that you go through, and you think you failed, and then you realize you step back. And at the end of the day, again, I had to become the dad who was willing to not be 
just doing the right thing. I had to help them want that and lead them to the to that. Because when your daughter looks at you and says, oh, dad, you don't know boys, uh, <laughs> you're going, wait a minute. I am you know, one. What do you mean I don't boys. know boys? <laughs> not know boys, but a 14-year-old daughter who knew everything on the planet knew them, and I didn't. But the point is, I could have talked to her all day long, mm-hmm. and I tried. Mm-hmm. But I had to change as a dad because a 14-year-old daughter, in many cases, is going to be a 14-year-old daughter. Mm. And she needed a dad to be a lot of what you were just talking about. Not be a default dad, be a dad who's intending. I'll give you a real quick story, if you want, sure. of, of a time where I look back and go, wow, the strangest of, things, strangest of circumstances can sometimes give us the, the greatest lessons. Uh, I'm, I was uh, 17 years old the day before um, football practice was about to start. And I'm, I'm in, I grew up in Iowa, and I'm putting bales of hay on a conveyor mindlessly. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and a, and a spinning tractor shaft had grabbed my jeans and started pulling me in to what otherwise would have been death or a mangled future. Mm. No one was around to turn off the, the, the tractor to, do, to, to hear my cry, nothing. And all of a sudden, I don't know how, but God ripped those jeans off my left leg all the way up across my waist and down the right hand, my, my right leg. I looked down and all that was there was this was a, a belt with tiny fragments of jeans. And I sat there in stunned silence as this tractor just kept chugging along as if nothing happened. And left you behind. And, I'm sorry? And left you behind. And left me behind. And my point is that I never intended to dangle my jeans over that spinning tractor shaft. And we don't t- intend to dangle our kids over danger. It just happens, and it mm-hmm. happens by default unless we choose, like you talked about, to be intentional parents who I can't cajole uh, my kids and to be faithful. I can't beg them. I can't sweet talk them. I can't force them. But I can sure do my part to prepare them to want that, to not only know how to, but how do I create right that hunger and thirst in your kids yeah. to where it's not just, dad and mom's faith, it's theirs, mm. right? And when it becomes theirs, not just I get into heaven's faith, I'm talking about where it's right. real to them. That's the exciting part, and that's what I try to encourage parents to do, is, is help create that hunger and thirst to help your kids be receptive so that one day you'll hear, well done, mom and dad, not only from God, but yeah. well done your kids. It's, it's, it's just wonderful. And your three words that uh, you have used to kind of set the stage uh, for further conversation, and that is one is vision, another mm-hmm. is character, and another is uh, culture. Uh, give us a, just a, a short understanding of what those mean for us. Okay. Well, uh, well, I really believe that leadership in a home or at work, but we're talking about at, at home specifically, but go, applies anywhere. It really comes down to those three things. The first is to choose your treasures. And that's having the vision to be able to turn what is into what can be. Mm. So you have to be able to, to assess who am I, and as a parent, as a whatever, who am I, but what can I be? And we have to be able to see our kids as not only who they really are, but who they can become. Mm-hmm. Not stuck in the dreamland of what you want them to be, but also uh, not stuck in the crisis of the moment. So mm-hmm. the first is choose your treasure. The second, then, is to treasure your choices. And that's where character comes in, because I need to I need to choose I need to treasure those choices with character to live out 
those chosen qualities with integrity, right? Well, there are many people, many fathers, many mothers that are characters, but they're not living mm-hmm. a godly character. Yeah, it, it's it's fun to do one, and with time, it's fun to do the latter. Mm-hmm. In, in reality, there is incredible joy when we're able to take character, a concept like character, and make it practical. And just saying in the book has been some of the things that we did as a family to try and make character something that is not only what you talk about, but what kids can connect with when they're teenagers. And then uh, all and, of that, the vision and the character leads to a culture that demonstrates and adds authenticity so that the kids want a godly legacy like you. We'll be right back after this, friends. Our special guest, Tim Alba. You've got to get a copy of his book, Well Done, Mom and Dad. It's a practical guide to turn good intentions into godly legacies. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Your gift of $17. Put it in your hand. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. I'm going to make what may appear to be a surprising statement to you today, but what we're talking about today is a hundred times more important than all the political talk in the land. It really is. Because the political talk just changes, it varies with every wind of doctrine, every wind of our feelings and so on. It just changes continually. And you can't trust it. But what we're talking about today is building lives that are trustworthy and they will truly trust God. And when we have a people that truly trust God, children, grandchildren, and so on, we will, in fact, have brought about much of the change that people are wringing their hands about in our country today. We just don't see it. We don't see things from God's viewpoint. We're looking at a short-term answer to a long-term problem. And today, we need to reestablish a vision, and it starts in your home. It starts in my home. It starts in our homes. It starts in our local congregations. And one of the distressing things that I have found, Tim, uh, is that even pastors have a very hard time embracing and doing anything really significant about raising up, for instance, fathers who will spiritually father their children. They say they want dads, and they talk about, uh, you know, be a nice dad and take them out to the ball game and buy them some peanuts and Cracker Jacks and that kind of thing. But in terms of spiritual fathering, it just doesn't seem to be there. 
Is that how you see it? I think you're absolutely right. And it, it goes to how we're going to be intentional. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just give you a practical example, if I may. And Go ahead. Just personal examples, but, you know, apply it in your own life. Sure. Is that I'm good at planning, mm-hmm. and I love to travel. And we had family vacations, which were fun. But when I made a decision that I was going to instill faith and family mm-hmm. into that, to where God was not only the author of what we are doing, but also the audience of what I was trying to do, our little trips became a whole different thing. So I called them Albaman trips. And I'd take <laughs> my boys, and we'd go, see, we'd go somewhere and see some baseball games, and we'd hike mountains, and we'd right. see museums, and go to jazz joints, whatever the kids loved. But I was intentional about instilling faith and family, and the boys didn't even know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I was intentionally speaking into them, just the three of us, where where we were going, and fun vacations turned into a stepping stone for what I was really trying to do, which I was trying to take passions and turn them into success, mm-hmm. uh, success into significance, and significance into faithfulness. That was, they unknowingly were part of my little plan, but we use vacations as a means to be intentional to where I wasn't to your point, being just a, a dad to my boys, they've been looked back and they now know the purpose of what we were doing together. And we made it fun because that helped them be receptive. And now mm-hmm. guess what? They're doing the same types of things in their own unique ways. But it, I say with their own unique flair, mm-hmm. but the principles all relate to, yeah, are, are, are we individually doing what we can to become students of our children so that they'll become students of the Lord? Very, very well spoken. Uh, I can relate to an awful lot of that. I don't want to take a lot of time to give our, my own personal illustrations, uh, but we use vacations. Every single vacation as our kids were being raised, and now every single vacation that our grandkids are involved in, we are continuing the same pattern. And they are growing in the receptivity of it and in the duplication of it. It is just amazing. And uh, so thank you so much for saving, uh, sharing those with us. So, but, but the problem is an awful lot of parents are uh, raising their kids the way they were raised or the way they were parented, even though they didn't much like the way they were parented. And uh, so the question then is, are you the parent you prefer to be or the parent your kids need you to be or the parent that God wants you to be? Interesting questions. How do we move into answering those questions? Well, I think, first of all, we have to be grounded in the, in the daily choices that make a difference. I mean, mm-hmm. so there's basic things, right? Never stop reading the Bible, praying, learning, serving, leading, trusting, creating culture at home where those things are the norm. But then I just say, you know, before you get into specifics, I'm glad to share more stories of things that... that work because the book is really about stories and practices and principles but i have to start with me and lead myself well i have to love my spouse because the best way for my kids to to truly love god is for them to see me truly love my my wife Mm. so it's not just what we say we believe it's what our behavior reveals about what we say we believe it is it's both it's both showing it and explaining it, mm-hmm. not just instructing my children, but explaining to them the stories behind the stories. Yeah. 
So if I don't demonstrate it, right, it means nothing. But I'd also say if, if they don't, if they aren't able to take away why mom or dad are doing the things they are, they could see it, but they haven't yet really been able to, to personalize it and say, here's how I can do it. Because one of the keys, I think, is not only to show them, it's for kids to believe that they can too. How to instill that belief that they can do this too is, is part of the opportunity uh, of parenting and, frankly, part of the joy is to see them begin to exactly. get that little bit, time by, a little bit by little bit. But sometimes you have to persist through challenging times to get to the, the point of the joy. Yeah, I, I, I wish I didn't have to learn the hard way um, <laughs> on some of these stories. In fact, I share a story or two in there. I remember the day when my wife looked at me and said, the kids and I are not your employees. And I went, <laughs> well, my wife is the sweetest little old lady. I mean, she's so, I shouldn't say old, she's a sweet, sweet person. But I knew that I wasn't leading very well at work either when I was, when she pointed out to me that, yeah, I was missing the mark. And ultimately, you know, I'm doing a lot of the right things. I was a leader of church. I mean, mm-hmm. I was all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, is that translating into a vision that the kids can buy into and with character that they know they can count on mm-hmm. and into a culture that, that otherwise where faithfulness, not just having faith, but faithfulness is the norm that they can otherwise embrace for themselves. Well, since you mentioned uh, the word culture, uh, our kids and grandkids are facing competing cultures. And the culture that's winning is the worldly culture. It's not the culture that God would have us develop in our homes uh, and even his His church. It is the the worldly culture that is winning. And I think one of the reasons why is that uh, we haven't grasped the understanding the the overarching concept of what it means to truly leave a godly legacy and uh, so that our kids will say, well done, mom and dad, so that God will say, well done, mom and dad. It's a com- competition of cultures. And uh, how, how do you deal with that, Tim? Well, boy, I think first off, you're spot on. But I, I just say one of the keys is uh, is providing them with forms in which uh, they can see how these principles are real and practical and something that, that, something that they want. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just give you, again, stories. Uh, okay. I can't remember stories, so I'll just share one with you. Is, is culture wins outside if we let it. But I tell my parents, we have parenting seminars that my wife and I do, uh, and I tell them, don't let anybody convince you that anybody other than you is the number one influence in your child's life. You are the number one influence in your child's life. Don't let anybody crowd that out, but you can't let them. But I was giving an example of of how to fill in what otherwise gets filled in by default with things that you want. Go for it. Simple, practical things like character. So how do you make character concept real? What we did is we took our kids, again, to your point, on a vacation. And what what we did, they were all adults. Two were married, one was engaged. And I gave them a list of hundreds of words. A words, B words, all the way through D, and just said, you together as a couple, you decide, pick one word from each letter, 26 in total, that will be the 26 character qualities that will define your family, and none of them had kids at, at, at the time. And they all got together, picked them, and we had a great time. We laughed and made fun of each other, and 
mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. When, when we got together on vacation and reviewed everyone's 26 A to Z character quality work. But what happened at the end of that night was that my daughter announced that she was pregnant with our first grandchild. Wow, I can't, I can't promise grandchildren from this exercise, but it was a great ending. But what I realized, Chuck, seven months later, her first child named him Cade Boulder Medlin, and I, I, it instantly struck me. Her B character quality word was bold. I have a grandson who's named after a character quality that he and her husband chose before they ever had their child. Interesting. So I have a walking, talking example. We call him capable <laughs> of, of what happens in your family when you lead them to think through these things. Mm. But who knows? I'm not trying to overpromise. I'm just saying. And I can't even promise the, co- the, the causality, but the correlation is incredibly strong. Yeah. When we step back and just model for our kids, these things that happen and our culture wins by default unless unless we choose to be proactive and give them practical little examples and mm-hmm. exercises of ways for them to think through what are they going to choose for, the, for their own lives. Well, here's my personal story. Uh, raising up my daughters, three of them, like yours three, uh, uh, I would sit down with them after I got back from uh, the law office or court and in the evening after dinner, would sit down with them before they went to bed, would uh, share with them various accounts from the scripture in ways that uh, sometimes had a little drama associated with them. Uh, and uh, one of the accounts that we talked about was the life of Daniel in the Old Testament. And I had learned as a child a little song that went like this, Dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. Well, my daughters internalized that so much that when my oldest daughter had her firstborn son, she named him Daniel. Wow. And so we created a calligraphy plaque for him with the words of that song, Dare to be a Daniel, Dare to stand alone, Dare to have a purpose firm and Dare to make it known. So many little things like that. And uh, we'll be right back with our guest, Tim Alba, his book, Well Done, Mom and Dad. You've got to get a copy of it. It will encourage and strengthen your heart. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they loved one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, as I say frequently, it's always a delight to come before you day after day after day to confront the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective. Today, as we talk about moms and dads and capturing 
the Lord's heart as we uh, practice, as we uh, train up our children in the nurture and ways of the Lord for intentionalized godly legacies. This is the important stuff. This is foundational, friends, and that's why I want to make sure you get a copy of Tim's book, Well Done, Mom and Dad. $17, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, uh, Tim, you have uh, portrayed a, a kind of funneling uh, exercise here uh, to help us get our minds and our hearts oriented toward what really matters. And it starts with 50 pursuits at the top and then narrows down to 20 priorities, then narrows down to five passions, and finally narrows down to one purpose. And uh, I thought it was, a, it was a great exercise, and this is something that people can do uh, to, to help carry out the vision that your book, uh, and, and challenging us to ensure that God's purpose leads to God's embrace. As one person said, and you recited in your book, if you can't write your message in a sentence, you can't stay in an hour. So that's, that's about the single purpose. And our, our one purpose should be a declaration of uh, who you can be, even if you're not yet that person. And don't just pick one of your passions, because it might not be the ultimate purpose. A lot of fathers and mothers have passions that really aren't leading necessarily to God's ultimate purpose. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And, and just to say is that one of the reasons why there's a free companion workbook on my website is because this isn't about just reading a book. Mm. It's about actually working through these exercises. So it's just free. Anybody can print off as many as they want, but you can mm. sit down as a family or as a Sunday school class or a, a small group or whatever uh-huh. and go through them because ultimately what you learn by doing that is as important in many cases as what as the result that you get from it. And so what is that website? Uh, it's timalba.com, uh, and there's one for the, for the book, too, welldonemomanddad.com. But on that website, I'd just say, since you mentioned it, not only can you um, get the free companion workbook, but you can nominate a, any ministers that you want, because I want to give away, if, if Lord would, allow to give away 5,000 free ones, free books to pastors, because the number one way for our families to be ministered to in this country is by those who lead us uh, week to week in worship. So it's just trying to live a life of generosity, no great agenda, mm-hmm. but it's a way that you can otherwise get a free book in the hand of a minister, a pastor, priest, whatever that you that you value, and in your honor, I'll be glad to send that to them for free. And Tim, I understand, tell me if I'm wrong, but I understand that uh, really you are in this not to make money, but for free. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I just, having had a career where, where God has blessed me as both a you know, financial guy and mm-hmm. uh, as an executive pastor, what my heart's desire is, is not fame, fortune, money, power, beauty, whatever. Uh, it, it really is pretty simple. It's just trying to live a life of faithfulness. So uh, at the end of the day, just like you mentioned with, with this 
exercise. I call it 50-25-1, and I'll share one real quick story. Sure. At the end of this, um, our, we did this with our children, and they were they were teenagers, and one was a preteen, I think, at the time when we first did it together. Everyone did their own list. It was a fantastic family experience. I learned so much about myself as well as them. But when my youngest son did it, he had never seen my list, and Chuck, 24 of his 50 were almost the same as mine. Hmm. We saw common things like mom's enchiladas and making my father <laughs> proud. But I also saw things like, I've always said this phrase, never forgetting the privilege of serving him. And I didn't even know my son on his 50 included, never forgetting your encounter at the cross. So this preteen, early teenage, whatever it was at the time, young boy, because he had a form in which he was choosing for himself with the 50 things he would let into his life. Mm-hmm. He was choosing these things, everything, again, from enchiladas to the real core things in life that as a, as a spiritual father, it's like, that's what I dreamed of. It doesn't mean he wouldn't have eventually chosen them, but he, at a young age, he was beginning to choose the things that he wanted to be let into his life funnel, because if we want better things to pour out of our kids, I have to make sure better things pour out of me. Mm-hmm. And the only way for that to happen is if I make sure that I'm watching what pours in, right? Exactly. And ultimately, that funnel of life has to end up with one driving purpose, and right. uh, your passions then have to be uh, displayed in and through that purpose. So you say, one, my one purpose captivates my soul. It's the story of a simple man pursuing what truly matters. I must live it just as you must live yours in order to feel God's embrace. You know, there are a lot of people, I think, who uh, in theory want to feel God's embrace, but they don't. And I think one of the reasons they don't is because they're not living God's purpose. Yeah, I, I I just would say, if God gives you a purpose, he'll surely give you a passion to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. You but know, what I we can't... have to Go do, no, what we have to do is we have to think through it. I'm, I even, my list changed dramatically when I went through the process of just filtering it down, and, and each person's is unique. Mm-hmm. My, my son, who's a musician, his, he calls it being in tune with God. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's because beautiful. it's so practical to who he is. My mom, my wife is all about being a mom uh, and, uh, and, a, and a, a wife. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unique to you, but at the end of the day, it's a filtering down that just says, you're right, it's, your purpose isn't just one of your passions, right. but it's, it's, it's what God gives you, a passion to then mm-hmm. go, this is what I, he wants from me, and if it's, if it's in fact not personal and practical and, and, and actionable, then I think we've missed it because it's not specific enough to grab our heart. Yeah. So my children have a different purpose than me. Oh my goodness, yes. But I but but the the common threads that lead to how they go about feeling it is what it is that God built in them is is so encouraging, especially when you do it together and you're able to, to see mm-hmm. it and help them experience it for themselves. Because ultimately, while I can influence my grandchildren and I Lord willing do and want to the best way I can invest and have a godly legacy for my grandchildren is to keep investing in my children. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, if our 
passions are in line with God's plan and purposes, then ultimately he will wed one or more of those passions uh, to help drive that purpose and define it. Uh, I'm thinking when, when I hear those words, I cannot forget uh, one of the most famous films ever to grace the screen called Chariots of Fire. Have you seen mm-hmm. it? Yeah. I've oh, seen it so movie. many, many, many times. And here is Larry Eric Little, the chief character, who is taken to task. He's a godly, godly young man called uh, Scotland's Fastest Wing. And uh, his, do- his, his sister is a godly woman, but she thinks that he is uh, just off base, that uh, his running uh, is somehow really taking away from God's plan and purpose in his life. So he responds to her and he says, you know, when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. And ultimately, it was because of his ability, unique ability to run that God had given to him, and his feeling his pleasure combined with his absolute commitment to the authority of God and his word that caused that film to be birthed so that untold millions and millions of people could experience it and be transformed as a result of it. Uh, when I run, I feel his, his pleasure. So what would you say, Tim, when I, what, I feel his pleasure? I think you fill in the blank with whatever it is that God's given you to do. If you're a teacher, then you teach. When you teach, you feel his pleasure. Mm-hmm. If you're a nurse, it's when you minister to people. In all these cases, it just comes back to, to what Jesus said, which is to love God and, and love others. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, if he wired you to do a certain thing, I would be wrong to try and copy your purpose. But oh, the joy that comes, right, from when you otherwise are in the center as well, using what gifts he's given you and giving you the passions he's given you, you align those two things. I correlate it in the book to the parable of the sower and the soils. Mm-hmm. And when you align purpose and passion, I correlate those four, four different types of soils to four different types of parents. And when, when you otherwise align your purpose and passion in a way that honors God, again, where he's both the, the author and the audience, then ultimately you can feel that warm embrace. You're not waiting until heaven to sense that. In fact, on earth, you know, your kids may never embrace your your uh, your faith, but when we do these things, even mathematically speaking, it's incredible how often the kids come back to that faith, even if not initially. But <laughs> but oh my, it, it it is it is tangible and real. And I'm I'm not the, the poster boy for doing everything right, but I promise you, even through the life of my children, I can see how those investments end up making a difference when I do things that draw their interest. One of the things that uh, I have taught my grandchildren uh, and have actually mentored them in, in uh, practical work skills, working in the yard and things like that, and uh, if, if, if you were to start this phrase, they would finish it without question. A job well done and with care exempts itself from fear. A job well done and with care exempts itself from fear. I tell you, Tim, 
they have learned from that how to do what they do with a passion and with a purpose. And uh, because of that, things that previously they did not find fulfilling actually began to seem fulfilling to them. But when you think about that, as a parent, a job well done as a parent and with care exempts itself from fear of the Lord saying, hey, you don't get the badge. You didn't do the job. You don't get my embrace. It also exempts itself from our children not saying, well done, mom and dad. They're not looking for perfection, but what they are looking for is consistent character and purpose lived out consistently so that their own lives can embrace God's holy purpose. And what I love what you said in your book, Tim, is I told my little kids that my parenting purpose was to raise holy kids, not happy kids. Happiness wasn't my goal. Happiness flows from holiness, not vice versa. Encourage our listeners today with a final word, will you? Well, I would just encourage you to believe that you can do this and that God measures success not by the comparability of your accomplishments, but by the completeness of your faithfulness. Mm-hmm. So our job is not to try and, and keep fulfilling everybody else's everything. This is about being faithful to what God's called you to be. Exactly. So uh, ultimately, our job, again, is to help our children want what they need to be faithful. And while it's not uh, something that is, is too fancy or, or, or people are wowed by it, your kids will look back one day, even if not now, and they'll forgive almost anything except a pattern of hypocrisy and a failure to try. Wow. And if you have not, if you have lived a life of consistency and when you're not, you have simply apologize. And if we try and we are intentional, I'm telling you, I absolutely have seen the fruit mm. of, of faithful sowing and watering. Because at the end of the day, there it is. Uh, May all who come behind us find us faithful. Unfortunately, we're right at the end of the program. Well done, Mom and Dad. Let's persist until Jesus returns. God bless. Get a copy of the book, Well Done, right on our website, saveus.org. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 